Welcome to Podcast Detected, where we say good morning to the apocalypse and face every zombie with a song. The trifecta of analysis, which is themes, symbols, and Simon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. The other thing, I think, I don't remember what we were saying a second ago that reminded me of this, but I want to Mm -hmm. talk about just the song Veronica for a second. Yes. Because I think think you were talking about this in terms of conflict, (laughs) and I never really got to it. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea of, I mean, there are lots of things to talk about, I think, probably in Veronica, but... That the mm-hmm. character of Chris McShowell has one little spoken line in Welcome to Abel, is never heard from again, and then suddenly shows up for the first time, basically, and for the last time in this massive flashback, two-thirds of the way through Act 2, mm-hmm. and then is never heard mm-hmm. from again. But he's also the main part of that song. Why Chris McShell? <laughs> Why have him at all? <laughs> Besides just to well, have Emma sing, because she's amazing. She killed that. She did such a good job. I think that Chris McShell is one of those characters that, like, just really sticks with people. I mean, granted, he is one of the first, like, on-screen, you know, yeah. present, um, where you're there for, like, his whole transition into being a zombie, and, like, like it's a lot of focus given on him for the, like two and a half missions that he's actually in um where it's a small role but had a huge impact on fan base chris i mean you had a lot of work to do to condense season three into one act of a musical which i did the math act two songs alone take an hour Mm -hmm. so uh zombies run the musical would not have a matinee (laughs) (laughs) Ever to stage. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I was doing the math of like, okay, when do I need to start listening to get through it all? And like, I was pausing to take notes and sketch out my set design for if I was the direct the set designer for the mm-hmm. show and like all this other stuff. So I didn't get through it all in time for our recording here, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, with my detailed, in depth cast comment style <laughs> that I leave. Um, <laughs> but so like he looking at him from a doyalist perspective of like yourself as a creator you needed somebody to be able to introduce a few key plot elements like you know the mind control serum the anti-mind control serum mm-hmm. um, um veronica as being like textually significant um why is why are we interacting with Veronica if we're not interacting with Chris? What happened to him? But then he also serves... I mean, he he serves as, like, uh, thematically as well as, like, showing that sort of sliding scale of altruism versus narcissism. Because he is doing an altruistic act in, like, leaving the formula and, like, having developed it. But he is also kind of being a little bit selfish, where he's focusing a lot on, like, his relationship with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Is Veronica really the only person Chris could have trusted? Probably not, um, realistically speaking. Like, there were other people in Abel that he could have entrusted this to. 
that like might not necessarily have had the chemi- chemistry background to like understand it, but would have been able to like determine who was loyal enough to be able to be trusted as well. Mm-hmm. But like he takes this chance to try and reconnect with her one last time. And that makes him so terribly tragic Mm -hmm. because you get the sense, especially in the original, um, the original zombies rent a half, um, but a little bit in the show, you kind of get the idea that like they never really saw eye to eye, especially in leave me to leave me alone. Like a lot of Veronica's lines have the implication of like, he tried, but he couldn't quite succeed. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that like, this last dying act of him is him trying one last time and Veronica going, if you were still around, I would have reached back. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. um, Veronica is one of my favorite. There's so many of my favorite songs in act <laughs> two. How do you do it? Um, <laughs> there's so many of my favorite songs in this, in this musical at all. Um, <laughs> um, but that's part of it. And like, Oof, just father-daughter relationships really get to mm-hmm. me and like um it serves as well as a nice little contrast of like uh comparing chris to cynthia's father who is such an important character that we never even know his name yep um <laughs> and then uh kind of seeing but like again small role big impact because cynthia's father is the catalyst for her whole motivation mm-hmm. Um, whereas Chris's death in Zombies Run is the reason why they're able to save the world. Yep. Because he died in that specific place in that specific manner. And, like, the chain of events connected in such that it was able to... Simon was able to save five. Yeah. Uh, exception to my whole I write a song and then forget how it happened. So, mm-hmm. I remember... So, I mean, you know... First of all, you know this. I don't like writing just straight plot songs (laughs) and generally don't want to do it didn't want to write there's still Mm -hmm. time because it was a plot song didn't want to write i was afraid of that because it was a plot song Mm -hmm. complained about it the whole time and Mm -hmm. at the end was like okay this is fine Mm -hmm. but veronica in a lot of ways is just a huge plot song um and i Mm -hmm. before i wrote it i referred to it as the massive flashback song and it didn't have a title at all Mm -hmm. um it was just, how in the world do I explain how Simon has this serum? Because mm-hmm. there's not really a good way to do it before Simon shows up with the serum, because you want it to be a surprise, and also because you're focusing on five mm-hmm. up until that point, and so mm-hmm. how do you figure it out? And also, how do you make it simple enough that you can explain it in, like, seven minutes and not three hours, because it takes forever. It would be its own whole story. So just, like, plot-wise... That was a reason to write Veronica, to write a massive flashback song at all. But you you did a really interesting thing where even though there is a lot of plot that happens in Veronica, the heart of Veronica is still very emotional. Of the chorus being, Veronica, I don't know how this ends, but if I can trust anything, I trust that you will get through mm-hmm. this. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the whole... It's just an echo of Sam's, when you're alone, do you wonder how the story will end? That all these people, Mm -hmm. because they live in a fragile world, don't really Mm -hmm. know 
they don't know how their own story is going to end and they don't know how the story of their relationships mm-hmm. with particular people around them are going to end. And so that leads to kind of a bigger wondering how the overall story is going to end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that obviously there's something meta about that, which is this is a, an actual story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then also that these people, because of the fragility of the world around them, are hyper aware of the fact that they mm-hmm. not only don't know how the story is going to end, but they might not be there to see it. And Chris is one of the few well, characters who knows he's not going to get to see it and acknowledges that mm-hmm. fact right at the end. Mm-hmm. In most, Zombies Run is really unique speaking because most zombie media, the apoc- it's the apocalypse mm-hmm. and the world ends. But Zombies Run takes place after the world has already ended. But the story of humanity and the story of their lives has still not ended, even though the world as you know it has. Mm-hmm. And that's a bit wild and a bit weird to like wrap your head around conceptually. Um, but yeah, the fact that you took this big complicated song and just made it about a father's love for his daughter is like phenomenal. Simon is important in that too. And it's a little, I mean... Mm-hmm. A little sorry we're back to simon now <laughs> <laughs> we will not stop have to talk about simon but um and it's not he doesn't have a, the biggest part in veronica mm-hmm. um but like he's the but yeah there is that element right at the end that brings up that central theme, mm-hmm. the, the thematic statement the thesis of the piece yeah for sure well and like because i mean obviously he starts the whole song that's the present day, and then we go into the flashback mode, and we go mm-hmm. back to Chris McShell, and then we go back to Veronica. But um, mm-hmm. one of the things that gets me, and it actually isn't so much in the writing, obviously, but, like, the acting, or Maddie's acting specifically for mm-hmm. that scene, um, is when there's the flashback of... You start to... So there's the bit where you have the two flashbacks happening at the same time, where there's Chris going, like, there's the formula, I'm leaving mm-hmm. this here for you, at the same time as Van Ark is going, like... This is useless not knowing that it's the formula because he mm-hmm. doesn't understand. He goes all Voldemort and he doesn't understand love. Mm-hmm. And so when he starts mm-hmm. hearing this recording and he's like, oh, this is just a father, like, he's about to die and he's leaving a message to his daughter. And this happens all the time in the apocalypse and, like, this isn't helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Simon's whole, like, you just said you wanted to, like, he doesn't even know. And so that this mm-hmm. this really important thing gets left behind because Van Art can't recognize that it's important because he can't see through the fact that human relationships are important. Um, mm. And then when it changes scenes and Veronica has made the serum, because even with everything she said in Leave Me Alone about her, like, I've been on my own for so much longer than my father knew and we kind of didn't see mm. eye to eye and all that, she loves and mm-hmm. trusts her father enough that when he leaves her the recording and says make this serum and get it back to Abel she does it <laughs> and then the fact that when she goes chasing after Simon and finds him and assumes that he's an Abel runner because he's still wearing the mm-hmm. Abel emblem for because Simon could never really get rid of Abel even when Abel was even when both Abel and Simon thought that they were done with each other they weren't ever really right exactly and like the two, I actually think it's really part of the reason that I released the bonus version of Veronica that has uh, Justin in it as well as Maddie's version mm-hmm. is I think that they make very different, very interesting acting choices for their response to Veronica saying, You're an able runner, aren't you? Because the way mm-hmm. Maddie does it, which I think is great, is 
Veronica says, you're an able runner, right? And she goes, um, yeah. <laughs> like, sarcastic. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, of course I am. Like, not even really realizing, oh, that's why. Or that's why you're assuming I'm an able mm-hmm. runner. Or, um, and it's not really owning being an able runner. It's just kind of like, hmm, well, okay, if you think I'm an able runner, <laughs> okay. We'll see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the way Justin delivers that line is more like that's the moment where Simon sort of retakes ownership of being mm. tied to Abel. Mm. That he sort of reclaims Abel. Because mm-hmm. in, the way he delivers it is more like, um, yeah. <laughs> like, I am. <laughs> I never really stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that, that going into Simon's whole, here I am and here you are. And here's mm-hmm. the serum. That we have a chance now because of this random string of coincidences that weren't mm-hmm. really coincidences because they were all the product of love or the product of relationships mm-hmm. between people. So anyway, I think Simon's super important mm-hmm. in that song too. <laughs> that's, that's one where if you want to do a podcast about a single song, I would be happy to deconstruct Veronica moment by moment. <laughs> <laughs> moment by moment, listen to Veronica. Oh, that made me think of something else. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking the other day about... Because um, Veronica, again, doesn't have a lot of airtime. But the distinction between mm. in Leave Me Alone, her saying, I'm okay on my own, to so just leave me alone. And then the first time we actually see her alone in the musical mm-hmm. is in Veronica. And it's not until the very mm-hmm. end. Well, no, actually, I mean, mm-hmm. in the middle we kind of do. But mm-hmm. during the counterpoint section, the whole where are you, how could you leave me here the actual what she actually thinks or how she actually feels like that's that's what's Mm -hmm. going on behind her front which is i'm okay Mm -hmm. leave me alone and then behind that Mm -hmm. is how could you leave me here (laughs) the implication being Mm -hmm. how could you leave me here alone yeah mel had mentioned that at some point when mel and i talked um she had mentioned that you had given her that directing note of like that sort of wall and mask it's interesting that there's so many masks and things and like the differences between how characters portray themselves and how like they feel inside yep. and that sort of thing and sort of seeing those barriers get constructed or like peeking behind them or like destructed and that sort of thing it's really neat there's a few characters that you do that for and become more like well-rounded individuals or like more emotionally honest yeah. individuals i think they portray themselves mm-hmm. as they actually are Oh, uh, Overture, jumping to the very beginning. Yes. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, the fact that I can, we kind of talked about it, hey, if you can hear me being the first melody, mm-hmm. as like that sort of setup, which you don't quite understand the importance of it yet, but eventually you realize that like, it's Sam showing who he is as a character because he is ultimately like, a hopeful one mm-hmm. he's always looking towards the future and moving that direction moving forward and like reaching out to bring other people along mm-hmm. with him towards that in the way that like and it occurs and reoccurs as that mm-hmm. um and then the immediate second the immediate shift to seeing things um being the second line there and setting up that like oh well things aren't going to be quite as they seem in it um and you use that kind of in the entr'acte, I noticed it more where you use Stardust and seeing things and you have them kind of, 
I don't know if it was quite the same instrument, but they were pretty similar Mm -hmm. um, to, like, create that thorough line of, like, this is all one character. Um, And then melodically, you do um, Run For Your Life, and then immediately shift to Morning Run, which also sets up kind of that thematic elements of altruism versus narcissism, Mm. which is really cool. That's something that I don't know how intentional that was, or if it was just me reading into (laughs) it. And doing, like, an Eng... I wasn't an English major, but doing that English class thing of, like, seeing the themes and seeing, like, these conflicts and this sort of thing and setting it up that way. Um, I don't think that I thought... I mean, I definitely didn't think in terms of altruism, narcissism, at least in the way that I put it in Mercenary Manifesto, but that idea of, Mm -hmm. like, working for personal gain versus mm-hmm. working for the gain of others and the, the spectrum of that. Um, mm-hmm. That was definitely intentional. But I never thought of it in yeah, terms I of, like, altruism, mercenary narcissism, manifesto. mercenary manifesto stuff. <laughs> yeah, I kind of just latched onto those words from mercenary manifesto and was like, oh, they sound so good together. Let me use that. <laughs> it's a really good way to put them together. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, the whole, mm-hmm. um, hey, if you can hear me being at the beginning of the overture, I really enjoyed when I was writing it and also just performing it, the fact that the very first thing that we hear is Sam, like this chopper goes down. There's not really a reason to think that anyone's alive and Sam can't see if someone's alive mm-hmm. and no one's responding to him. <laughs> so mm-hmm. going through all the trouble to be like, Hey, come in. This is Sam. Yao. I'm here with Abel Township. You're down in a horde of zombies. If you're there, if you can hear me, if you're alive, mm-hmm. if anyone's alive, like, come this way, like, run, mm-hmm. like, make it here. Mm-hmm. It's already just a portrayal of hope because he has no reason to think that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There's no reason for him to think that someone's alive. And mm-hmm. he does anyway. And that's, like, the first thing that he does. I think that, so, in my head, the set would be um, something kind of similar to Hamilton, but instead of having, like, a backdrop per mm-hmm. se... It would be, um, it would be just like a screen that you can project onto, mm. and um, so on stage. No, let's go house left. So the left side of the stage, when you're in the audience, I would have like uh, the com shack and the tower, and I think that like what I would do if I was staging it is that I would have the stage start with the curtain already up and Sam already kind of in the com shack. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't see him. You would just see the bleaking light at the beacon. Mm. And lights wouldn't come up until Welcome to Abel. D- you could have, like, dim lights if you wanted to do, like, having the overture play and having, like... I remember in Drew's original post talking about, like, running through crowds of zombies. Yep. Like, maybe through the house and doing that sort of thing. Um, and having, like, the projections of, like, hordes of zombies or, like... Uh, the shadowy figures of people reaching out for five and that sort of thing you could do. And then having um, the set light up when it's, um, and then, or the gates get raised and the set lights up to be able to see Abel. I think that for me, the gates would be on a fly to be able to be like raised and lowered. And that there would be a scaffolding in front of it that like they could walk across to like talk about Abel and that sort of thing. And then you've got the rotating set And then in my brain, the stage is my high school theater because every stage is in my brain. So there would be like a quite nice thrust to it. 
um, proscenium area where you could have like the little vignettes of like tree, the tree that Amelia lands yep. in and other things like that. <laughs> but just that idea of like, and then doing a very similar lighting for like voice in the dark mm-hmm. of that sort of just follow the beacon and maybe we'll land somewhere. Yeah. I think I go back and forth a lot when I'm thinking about A Voice in the Dark, whether it's better to really have the focus be Sam kind of center stage and you also don't see five. Because I think the original Mm. idea was the audience can see five, but Sam can't. So Mm. the audience knows that five is trying to make it back and is listening to Sam, but Sam doesn't know. Because that would be the most, I think, probably faithful representation of what listening to the mission is like because you are five and you know that you're alive (laughs) um Mm -hmm. sam doesn't and that's part of what makes that emotional impact but i also go back and forth where i think sometimes it would be better to just have it be Mm -hmm. mostly sam just singing a solo and you can't Mm -hmm. see five either and you're assuming that five's okay because we're like 20 minutes into a musical (laughs) and (laughs) clearly the protagonist is not dead but that it might be better to have the focus be on Sam and not be able to see five at all. I don't know. I don't really know which one would be better. Probably it would just be whatever director was directing this fake musical that will never be staged. (laughs) (laughs) This fake four hour music. Not even, probably actually, depending on how you scripted the like scenes in between the songs and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Well, for me, what I would do for the comm shack is that I would have like a specific part of the set be the comm shack but then there would be a screen that can be moved, either like going, rolling up like a projector screen or like sliding to the side or something like that, that you could then backlight, um, depending on like when you do the like radio filter mm-hmm. over that sort of stuff. I kind of picture that in like a backlit stage mm-hmm. or like a backlit scenario where you can see the silhouettes, but you can't really see like the expressions and stuff. So like raise the gate would kind of start that way. But then when you get to, like, the chorus, you could slide away the screen and then, like, see Sam and Janine interacting and maybe they do, like, a dance or something like that. I yeah. don't know. I'm not a choreographer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are my design notes and it's all headcanon. There is nothing in the text to support it. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I, also, I, I think it's really cool that, because when I was writing, because I've written some, like, uh, not really so much set design stuff, but more just like stage direction mm-hmm. kind of things um, into the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But even when I was writing those, I went back and forth on how much... What, you didn't do the checkoff thing where you wrote 17 pages of the exact number of books that are on each bookshelf? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not checkoff. I don't know. I just, I wanted to give some idea of what I was picturing just to give the idea, mm-hmm. but for it to be very mm-hmm. open for people to just kind of picture what they wanted to happen. For I mean, probably the mm-hmm. biggest example of this is I wanted the relationship between Five and Sam to be either romantic, because I think probably it's safe to say that for a majority of people who do Zombies Run mm-hmm. or listen to Zombies Run, they think of the relationship mm-hmm. between Five and Sam as romantic, at least most people that I know. But there are some mm-hmm. people who really don't. And I didn't want it to be mm-hmm. like, this musical can only be interpreted as a Five and Sam story. So the moment, I don't even know if you've you read this, or mm-hmm. I'm assuming you saw this, how in uh, the finale, in the stage directions, yes. there's the moment right before the 
last little bit, like right after Thank You For My Life mm-hmm. and during Good Morning To The Apocalypse, where the stage direction is like, mm-hmm. Sam kisses five, or it's a big old bro hug, I don't know, you decide. <laughs> like, director's <laughs> choice. That sort of thing was mm-hmm. important to me, that people are able to reinterpret the staging and even the relationships between characters because you could also actually read the whole thing Mm -hmm. as a like you could read the relationship between well probably not simon and five well because of simon and janine but like there are different relationships mm -hmm. that you could read as romantic Mm -hmm. that are just like open to interpretation i guess yeah and i think that the important thing is that you wrote this musical as a love story but it's not necessarily a romance yes yeah yeah, maybe you're a big Ferris shipper and you love Simon, or not, Five and Sarah. Yeah. That's it. Or something like that. Yep. Oh, I had another note here about, hey, if you can hear me as a line, because it stops at a certain part, um, which is in during I Will Always Bring You Home. Mm-hmm. And so Sam doesn't need to ask if Five can hear him anymore because now he knows mm. that Five can't. Mm. <laughs> buddy Aww. he doesn't need to it's not something that he's hopeful over anymore it's something that he has like grounds to believe in now he knows that his voice can reach five no matter where five is mm-hmm. well also like um because uh in welcome to abel The first time Sam is talking Mm -hmm. to Five, he does the whole, what's your name? And asks, Mm -hmm. like, asks for Five's name, waits Mm -hmm. for an answer, doesn't get one, is like, cool, (laughs) that's fine. Uh, We'll call you Five, it's fine. Um, Mm -hmm. And then proceeds to continue to use the whole, if you can hear me, Mm -hmm. say my name. And it's like Mm -hmm. Five wouldn't say Five's name in Welcome to Abel. Mm -hmm. And Sam's like, okay, cool. You don't have to say your name. I don't need to know your name. Say my name instead. Mm-hmm. And that five's given no indication ever that that's even a thing five can do. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. For all Sam knows, five is literally physically incapable of speaking. And he keeps asking for five to say his name. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, the whole hope thing. It's, I haven't, mm-hmm. I saw a chopper go down. I have no reason to believe anyone survived. I have no visual, I... There's no reason for me to think that someone's alive, but I'm going to ask them to run anyway. Mm-hmm. That's the whole say my name. And it's true that, like, Five and finally does. And there's no reason, there's no reason ever to have believed mm-hmm. that Five could do that, and then Five does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what that makes me think of a little bit? Is uh, Beetlejuice the musical. I've not heard I'm Beetlejuice. Coming up with... Okay, well, I, I've i listened to the soundtrack, like, once, but there's a song in there called Say My Name, mm. and, like, it's a, like reoccurring kind of theme um that Beetlejuice and Lydia both kind of sing about um are you familiar with the movie at least you know these characters names when I say it (laughs) that's okay keep going okay well Beetlejuice is a ghost who can be summoned if his name is said three times Mm. by uh by somebody but and then Lydia's character arc is that like her mom passed away recently and that um, Beetlejuice literally wants people to say his name, but Lydia wants people to acknowledge her existence, mm-hmm. and that's why she wants people to say her name. So it's that sort of Sam's asking that question in a very similar way, mm. where it's the like 
please tell me that like you can hear this and this is how you can prove to me that my voice is getting through. And also, I mean, it goes back to come back home, right? The whole, there's the, he doesn't sing that exact thing, but there's the musical motif in the background when he's saying the whole, Mm -hmm. hey, Five, I just wanted to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And Five's kind of running away and he's like, okay, bye. And being all salty about it. The music in the background Mm -hmm. is the, hey, if you can hear me. In in my brain, that is a late motif, and it is called five a.m. Oh, honestly, <laughs> I think that's probably accurate. <laughs> I feel like in the in the hypothetical stage show that would happen, that that song would come up a lot, even in like dialogue and that sort of thing. I think that's true. I think that's really true. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually act. Hmm, and thought about this in a while. Um, random memory from when I was writing the songs, the whole. Out running at odd hours like you've got a destination somewhere else. So why do I get the feeling that the person you're out running is yourself? That whole bit. I, when I wrote that, I was kind of, it was right after Act 1. No, no, it was right before Act 1 release, like the week before. Mm. And so I'd written all the Act 1 songs, but I was I was kind of thinking in the back of my head about Act 2. And I had written the chorus, I think, to come mm. back home, but not the verses or anything. And I was like half asleep at like midnight maybe a little after midnight something like that Mm -hmm. um and the whole come back home idea was playing in the back of my head and that as it happens when you're writing musicals and creating things exactly yeah the whole that those two lines the running out odd hours through a destination somewhere else popped into my head with that exact melody those exact words and I was like, well, mm-hmm. if I'm going to remember this in the morning, I have to record it. So I kind of woke myself up and, like, got my phone in very, like, in a super tired, husky voice, like, recorded that <laughs> exactly. And then it ended up in the song with exactly that same melody and exactly those same words. Nothing changed. The exact random brain ramblings <laughs> of 1 a.m. in my head. <laughs> Well, you know, that's when, when you're not, like, concentrating and trying to be creative. That's when you're you're most creative. That's why, like, you get so many shower thoughts and, like, that sort of thing. I'm using the general you. I don't know if you get a lot of shower thoughts, personally. I kind of do. I've written... I, th- I wrote Stardust in the shower, actually. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I am sure all my housemates were super weirded out because I was just in there just like Mm. singing to myself and I'm sure they could just hear like we're all the same we're made of light and stardust (laughs) I'm just like what are you what are you talking about well up until I got one of my roommates hooked on uh, zombies run and um she's the one who moved from one apartment to the other with Mm -hmm. me and um so now I have to be very careful about what I talk about Mm -hmm. (laughs) um for her because she's still on a season two right now so um I hope that she's not in her bedroom because we share a wall. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, before that point, before she started listening, I would definitely be belting out like voice in the dark and that sort of thing. Go through all of Act 1, see how far I could get in a single shower. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing that I love to do is do like the, I am now every single person in Les Mis and I'm going to sing one day more. Like, it's so fun to do that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these are like really, really detailed mm-hmm. about like specific lines and that sort of thing. A lot of these notes here, like how um, 
like in Welcome to Abel, you do such a good job of setting up all the characters because like there are a lot of characters um, and you do a good job of introducing kind of getting a feel for like who they are and their personalities and that sort of thing. Because that wasn't something like we didn't see Five Enter Abel the same way that you covered it in Welcome to Abel. Um, two things, a few things that really stood out to me the like Sam being a bit like rambling and nervous and like you kind of lifted some of that from the actual like original text but then like adding on like that hint of like that memory of Alice and like adding that like oh yeah sure he's like a cheerful radio band but like there is like nuance and emotional complexity to him um how Maxine's like first lines are like welcome I am the voice of comfort and also, like, a little bit funny. Because mm-hmm. um, that was my, like... I did the 5K runner before I started, like... I mean, so when you do the 5K runner, you have Jolly Alpha Niner, and then you have, like, eight weeks of this program. That's what I did, and too. And for most of it, Maxine is your operator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know this. We're just explaining this to anybody who hasn't yeah. played it. <laughs> um, Maxine's your operator for all of that, for most of that. So, like, you really latch on to Maxine as a character, and then kind of, like, get to see her a little bit in other contexts later on. So that was fun. I have a lot of... It's like, oh, nice doctor lady. She's yep. here. Yes. We're okay. Um, then the contrast, the counterpoints you have for Janine and Sarah. It, you did a really good job of giving, like, Sarah has these, like, really long, drawn-out, like, notes. And it gives that, like, edge to it that you have those first few missions with Sarah where she's, like, very openly distrustful of you. Where it's like, hmm... I'm going to be very considerate and deliberate of my every action with you now. Whereas Janine's a little bit more frantic. Like you can kind of get the idea that like she has 16 things on her plate and she's just been given an extra one and like, okay, I guess we're dealing with this now on top of everything else. Cool. Let's do this. (laughs) Um, And then you've got the runners where it's bam, bam, bam. Uh, Simon's like a bit of goofball. Jody is like welcoming and warm. Um, Chris is a bit awkward, socially speaking. Maggie is also there. Um, yep. <laughs> justice for Maggie, though. Maggie exists. Uh, and then, um, like, having that all together, I know that you kind of, you had written more than what appeared in the actual album, where, like, it's all supposed to be, like, a counterpoint right at the end mm-hmm. that then comes together for the last bit of that, which is then echoed in uh, the finale. I guess that was a bit... And that was really fun, too, to hear um, the way that you kind of highlighted those bits. Oh, that was another thing, is that you kind of have this... There's a reoccurring kind of nihilism that happens in a lot of the the piece. Sam has his moments of it, especially in, like, Wait for the Light and that sort of thing. Uh, Simon has it. (laughs) I wrote, Morning Run is nihilistic dread, but fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Uh, Moonchild has a bit of it too. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> curious where you, because I, I mean, when I wrote Wait for the Light, I didn't think of mm-hmm. it as all, at all as nihilistic. So I'm just like curious where you're where you're getting that from. Hmm. Um. I guess it's the for me at least the way that I interpret like the concept of nihilism is very much a like because there's nihilism and then there's existentialism, which is like nihilism mm-hmm. times fifty. Um. So for me, nihilism is like the idea that there's no externally given meaning for life beyond that which we determine Mm. for it. 
And so that's what Wait for the Life really symbolizes for me. It's the like, sometimes I feel like I can't go on and I can just remember that I am still alive and that is important and that has value and worth Mm. just as much as like not needing to have a plan necessarily. That makes sense. Oh, good. Because I think, I mean, I I definitely, I think I was reading Mm -hmm. the concept of nihilism a little bit differently than you were because... It is definitely true that one of the themes of Wait for the Light and just of the whole musical is that your mm-hmm. your life has meaning and is a gift apart from mm. or despite of mistakes you may make or things you may do. Mm-hmm. And that life is difficult and involves monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, like, I guess kind of that idea of you are more than the actions you take when you feel like you have no choice. Yes. Yep. We can't all be literally mind-controlled in order to justify that, but sometimes we feel like we're stuck in a situation and we have to make a desperate decision, for sure. Yes, exactly. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait for the Light is one of those songs where, like, I can put it on and just feel, like, tension evaporate all the time. <laughs> where it's like, oh, okay, and now here is Sophie as Sam singing about how everything is going to be okay. And it's easier to... Sometimes it's easier to believe it when it's coming from Sophia Sam. Aww. Okay, so now that we've been talking about (laughs) random, not super connected uh, ZRTM things for a very long time, long enough that this is going to end up having Mm -hmm. to be two episodes, um, I think it's probably time for us to be done now. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Cass, do you have stuff that you're working on that is completely unaffiliated <laughs> with ZRTM yeah. or Zombies Run or Six to Start uh, that you want to well, plug or talk about or anything? I do actually, I do have a couple of fanfics that are for Zombies Run that are on my archive of our own, which is Dreamer number three, D-R-E-A-M-E-R, capital N-U-M-B-E-R, three, the numeral, because I like to be fancy. Um... So uh, there's one there that is just a bunch of like random vignettes for my five. And then there is one that is a crossover with uh, Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a zombie movie. Um, And I took it and was like, what if I wrote a fan fiction and made it a musical? So there is bits of act one actually in that um, that I hyperlink to (laughs) as part of it. Um, I'm very proud of that one, actually. It's the first fic that I've ever finished. It's called Sophie and the Apocalypse, because my five's name happens to be Sophie. That's so great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fan. I like that name. I promise that I came up with that before I knew what your name is. (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm also on Tumblr, so if you want to find any non-involved with uh, Six to Start or Zombies Run projects, you can look on my Tumblr. I've got some information there. Uh, It's indelible hyphen coloring with a u hyphen markers because i am canadian and we use like to use the extra letters there but only in the most confusing way possible Hmm? it's a horrendous mix of in of american english and uk english and i have several rants in store of them that from my linguistic little heart but (laughs) cool 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 so go check cass out and all these those areas um go read her stuff it's really good uh, she has good things to say. <laughs> um, if you for some reason listen to all of this and have not heard <laughs> Act 2, um, <laughs> <laughs> I 
go to zombiesrunmusical.wordpress.com. Uh, both acts are up there. Um, there's links to a lot mm-hmm. of our behind-the-scenes stuff. You can also find Along us- with the full version of the lyrics, because some of them had to get compressed to fit the YouTube descriptions. Yes, yes, all the lyrics are there. It's hopefully pretty easy to navigate. You can actually start with the overture and just click through every single song, and you don't even have to leave the page. It's all mm-hmm. embedded in there, so... The website's the best mm-hmm. place to listen to everything and read along with the lyrics if you're interested with, in doing that. We're also mm-hmm. on YouTube. We have a couple of blooper reels up there. Um, <laughs> they're all from Act 1, so we need to make some new ones for Act 2 because there's a lot. But those are fun. <laughs> the Act 2 launch stream, which happened a couple weeks ago, it hasn't been edited mm-hmm. yet, but it's going to at some point, And that'll end up on the YouTube channel as well. Um, mm-hmm. The Act 1 launch stream is already up yeah, there. Yeah, Act 1 launch stream is up. Mm-hmm. And if you have questions or comments or want to talk about uh, the musical, you can find the musical uh, on Tumblr, Zombies Run Musical. Um, you can send any sort of question my way and I will definitely answer it. You can also email zombiesrunmusical at gmail.com. Plugging the musical takes like two minutes. Plugging me takes no time at all. <laughs> um, I'm on Tumblr <laughs> as just another cricket. You can come talk to me there or on the musical page, whatever you want to do. Any, anything's fine. Mm-hmm. And the musical was kind of what I had going on. So now I'm working on some other stuff. Um, there's maybe a couple other musical projects that are in the work. Uh, if you are interested in working on another musical project with me, because there's definitely going to be another one, hopefully soon-ish um just let me know uh we'll talk about how you can send an audition reel or something and i can keep it on a page so i can keep track of everybody who's interested in auditioning for stuff but yeah thank you so much for listening to this rambling mess of a thing um uh Cass, would you like to do the honors all right listeners stay safe out there